0: CFO Squared podcast chats about financial and financing optimization. I'm Carl Baker. This podcast is all about business funding, success, and strategy. We're here to help you know how to finance your business. We will also talk about other financial issues impacting your business and ideas to help you succeed and advance your cause. Now let's get into the next episode. Hey, everybody. Uh, Welcome to today's episode of CFO Squared chats about financial and financing optimization. As we said in the lead in, I'm Carl Baker, owner of Infinity Commercial Capital. And we've promised in past episodes, and as indicated in the name, we're going to talk about financial issues, we're going to talk about financing issues, um, really just all the things that could be impacting your business as a business owner or real estate investor. And uh, today I'm going to talk about accounting errors. And before you hit the button and click off, I spent many years as a corporate auditor. I'm a licensed CPA, and I've also worked uh, for many years during that time. And since then, I've worked for many years with business owners, financial leaders, uh, corporate leaders. And I know for certain that um although accounting gets a, a bad rap as a as a dry subject um it's very important it helps people understand uh what their business is doing from a financial st- story s- uh perspective there are things within accounting of course that are important to understand, and I'm just going to to run through a few of those issues uh, with some with some lead-in topics, and then we're going to run down uh, the, those issues today. And uh, so, a- as I said earlier, financial statements need to tell the story of of your business of of what's going on. And there are two in a in a full set of financial statements. There are several documents when it, within it. There is a balance sheet. There is a, an income statement that has various names depending on the industry type, et etc. But many people call that the P&L, the profit and loss statement. I'm just going to refer to it as the income statement. There is a statement of cash flows. And then, like I said, in a full financial statement, there is a set of footnotes that gives additional background. Today, I'm primarily going to talk about the balance sheet and the income statement. Just for some perspective those two those two documents, the balance sheet and the income statement what are they uh, a balance sheet balance sheet gives a snapshot at a point in time what you own and what you owe at any given date uh A income statement gives us gives a summary of the results for a period for a year for a year to date, for a quarter for a month, et cetera It gives a summary of all the activities, the revenues minus expenses um, for your organization. The next comment I want to make is that economics generally drives the accounting. What is the story about your business? How are things going? And your financial statements should reflect that. Do you owe people money for services? Do clients or customers owe you money? Are you having huge growth, but the collections are slow? Uh, have your supply costs. I talked to a client recently. Supply costs had gone up, but they had cash flow problems and, uh, and slow collections. Therefore, they had many unpaid bills. Those are, those are a few things that will should be reflected in your financial statements, the good and the bad. Do you have a large unsold inventory buildup? Have your manufacturing costs increased? Have you incurred major transactions such as a building acquisition, uh, new debt, a major investment? Um, have you properly captured capital refurbishments? Is your hiring up or down? Do you have a lot of overtime? I've even seen egregious examples uh, where. The organization has been paying staff but not paying the correlating taxes. Well, believe it or not, your financial statements, when the bookkeeping is being done properly, your financial statements are going to reflect that. You're going to show a large amount of salaries and a large amount of withheld payroll taxes that have not been remitted to the government authorities, the IRS or the state state uh, governments, et cetera. Uh, th- those cases were situations where they had cash flow pro- problems, and they were essentially using the uh, payroll tax withholdings for purposes of um, of uh, using for for purposes of uh, using those funds for other working capital needs. And again, if the bookkeeping is done properly, uh, though that is an incredibly illegal thing to do, uh, not not remitting the uh, the withheld payroll taxes, in actuality, the financial statements should reflect that. Uh, And and, uh, so those are just a, a list of a few things where I was presenting the subject of economics driving the accounting. The financial statements should tell the story financially about what's going on and should help a business owner tell that story. There's a couple reasons why I tell business owners that it's important to make sure that your financial statements are reflecting the the reality of your business. Sometimes it comes up in the context of talking to clients about a financing situation, and that is important. Uh, when presenting financial statements to a lender for purposes of obtaining a loan, you really get one shot. Um, If there are obvious mistakes in a set of financial statements, the lender starts to be skeptical about the organization's ability to present accurate financial data. So it's important to give accurate data at the very beginning. Uh, Like I said, lenders will see those errors as a problem that Will cause them to be permanently skeptical. Um, and it's hard to recover from that without, uh, without a good story. I'm not saying it's impossible. And when a, when an organization begins to work with professionals or when an organization is able to articulate the reasons why past mistakes won't happen again in their financial statements, then a lender will certainly feel better about that. And I've, I've seen that multiple times. But more than just for outside readers, it's in the owner's best interest to have accurate data, to manage your own business, to understand the economics of your business. You probably have, as a business owner, you probably have a good understanding of what's going on in your financial state, in, in your business, You know the story, and uh, if your financial statements aren't reflecting that, then that should be a cause for concern, and uh, and and gives you a leading indicator that something needs to to be fixed in your accounting statements, financial statements. A couple other things I want to uh, talk about in relation to financial reporting, and that is, it's important to understand the difference between cash flow, and what we call an accrual basis profit and loss statement, an income statement. Many people will, and both are, they're separate issues. They're both important, but it's that the subjects are oftentimes commingled. And I get why, or a, a business owner that is not really in tune with accounting and not interested in accounting, but they know their business. they are going to focus on cash flow and I focus on cash flow in my business i I get that um, but it's also important to uh, understand the difference between cash flow and accrual basis accounting accrual basis uh, net income and accrual basis um, financial statements. In a financial statement, cash flow is, is probably taking – I guess I would say is taking the profit and loss statement to the next level. You first have a profit and loss statement with revenues minus uh, accrual basis, accounting basis expenses such as supplies, repairs, insurance, taxes, other operating costs, cost of goods sold, whatever – All the revenues minus all those expenses is, and and like I said, taxes equals your profit or loss. Cash flow tends to be that number incorporating only collected revenues and incorporating only paid revenues plus additional cash flows, including receipt of debt or uh, payment for. Uh, capital transactions such as an acquisition of a building, an, a, uh, uh, an acquisition, acquisition of a piece of equipment, et cetera, something that in uh, the accounting world we would call a capital transaction, that is a larger transaction that has a longer term life. Those are additional components that make up total cash flow that aren't just um, uh, a part of the profit and loss. Additionally, and I, you might have picked up on something there. Accrual basis accounting is one in which you are taking credit for the total value of all services received, um, meaning you might provide a service though you won't get paid for that service until some point in the future. While in the accrual basis accounting, that means uh, that you'll recognize that revenue today though you won't get paid in the future. On the flip side, you might incur a cost for a bill. For a, a service or a, or a good let's just say a supply that you you receive it today you begin using that that supply today, but you won't need to pay your vendor for another month or however long in accrual basis accounting, you need to uh, record that expense today though you won't receive though you won't pay the bill for X number of days into the future, three or four weeks or a month or whatever you've arranged with your vendor. So again, that's another component of cash flow. If your collections for services provided slows down or you need to pay vendors faster than you have historically, then that's another impact, another impacting uh, component of, of cash flow. Accrual basis accounting really is, is set up to match revenues and expenses and to match services received, uh, with billings and, and services, I'm sorry, services received with, um, with amounts owed and services provided with amounts billed. And when you're doing that, you have an understanding of what's actually happening with your business on a, on a current basis. Another component I want to talk about before we actually get into the accounting errors is materiality. And I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this, but it is important to understand as we begin to segue into the common accounting uh, issues to avoid or mistakes to avoid or things to be aware of. When I talk about these these this list, when I go through this list, keep in mind the concept of materiality. So it's important to understand that uh, your financial statements need to reflect the big picture economics. If your and the concept of a, of materiality in accounting says that if you record a transaction the wrong way per se, would it change the decisions that you make? Then it's a material transaction. If you record versus if you record the transaction in the proper way and I'll just give an example uh, before we, head, before we move, into, move into the list, is recording an insurance bill. Technically, when you pay an annual insurance premium, that premium is to cover your insurance um, uh, coverage over the next 12 months. So if you have a very large insurance bill, Many times accountants in uh, finance offices, business offices will take that insurance bill, though it's paid today. They will, uh, using a concept of prepaid assets, they will spread the cost of that bill over 12 months so that you're recognizing you're matching the, uh, the service received insurance coverage over 12 months Uh, and that's reflected in the financial statements. Well, if you have a small hundred dollar insurance bill for something like, uh, a smaller bit of coverage, like an umbrella coverage or something that just doesn't cost all that much, the concept of materiality might apply where you would just post that as a, uh, expense in the current month when you paid it. And it's not going to make a difference. You're not going to, uh, um, make different decisions recording that bill one way versus another way. And that's a concept of materiality. So hope that that gets a, a bit dry. I realize that, but it is important to, to, to keep in mind if you have a complex accounting system um, and you're, you're trying to really uh, apply accounting principles to the nth, nth degree. All right. So let's move into that list. I have I do have a list of about twenty items. I'm not going to spend as equal amounts of time on all 20 of these items, but I am going to to go through these. Item number one uh it is is really more of a concept just to um just to begin to lay the groundwork for some of the other issues. So accountants tend to talk about getting the balance sheet right. And when you get the balance sheet right, the income statement has a better chance of at least being pro- being correct on a net basis. There may be times when revenues get netted in against expenses that should should be in revenues. But we talk in terms of getting the balance sheet right, making sure that your cash on a given day is is correct? Uh, the cash presented on the balance sheet is right. That your accounts receivable, your uncollected charges, are right. Your total bills owed to vendors is right. And when you do that for all of your transactions, when you get the balance sheet right one month and then you get the balance sheet right the following month or year over year then the income statement has a better chance of of being right that's number one number two cash versus accrual and we've talked about this a little bit accrual uh the accrual accounting method matches with the date of service cash is reported when cash is exchanged and in certain instances, if you're a typical small business owner where you're, you're collecting your fees when you provide services pretty quickly and you pay your bills pretty quickly and there aren't material delays, then it, the, the difference between those two could be pretty small and inconsequential for sure. Um, as your business grows and as you enter into contracts with various vendors for delayed payments for for negotiation purposes and et cetera, um, then the concept of accrual basis accounting versus cash basis accounting could materially change the results of your presented financial statements. so that just understanding that number three, not reconciling and not being comprehensive in your financial statements so it's important to make sure that the numbers are accurate on your financial statements that if you say you have on your financial statements one thousand dollars in cash that number actually should reconcile to your checkbook should reconcile to your bank account and uh, and it 's important to do that and to to verify that if you have a number of invoices sitting on your desk or in your phone that you haven 't posted to your accounting system, then that will make could make a material difference in the results of your financial statements and it 's important to be comprehensive there so that 's a concept that I wanted to talk about. All right, so number four is accounts receivable. Accounts receivable, for those of you who are new to accounting concepts, accounts receivable is, is your sum total of unbilled charges provided um, for services provided to customers or clients that haven't been paid to you yet. It's important to track those services because you want to take credit for services provided. I'll give you a, a quick example. My landscaper for my home hasn 't billed me for months and months of work um, it's you know it 's probably a thousand dollars or so, and my landscaper hasn 't billed me for that for that work. If he goes to the bank, my guess is that that revenue is not reported even though technically I owe him that money. And he should have that recorded as unbilled revenues on his financial statements. Certainly, he needs to collect the cash, but I owe him. As soon as he gives me a bill and I've asked him for a bill, um, then I'm going to pay it. And uh, and so w- without recording that financial state, without recording that invoice, um, all other things being equal, his financial statements are not properly reflecting the services he's provided over the last several months. Uh, and, um, and, and so that that tells a different story. Another point about unbilled charges is, and it's the sort of the flip side, and that's, that is the concept of uh, the error made when you don't write off uncollectible charges. So at some point, in my example, let's say I wasn't going to pay my landscaper, but he had, in fact, recorded the unbilled charges. Well, if five years later I haven't paid that bill, he probably should not be showing on his balance sheet $1,000 unpaid, um, unpaid amount owed from ABC client, me, if I haven't paid. Now, of course, I am going to pay, but... The concept of taking credit for your unbilled charges, but also being aware of incidents when, for various reasons, one reason or another, a change in economic position of the client, a falling out or whatever, um, there does at some point need to be write-offs when that does happen. So those are a few things regarding unbilled charges. Let's talk about inventory and cost of goods sold. It's important when an when a organization that has products on hand to be sold in the future or if they are making products uh, from raw goods, uh, that those, those transactions not be posted as expenses in the financial statements until you've actually sold the product. So I'll give a quick example, and this just hopefully will resonate. If you are a pencil distributor and you buy ten pencils for a dollar, meaning each pencil costs ten cents, and you sell one each pencil for twenty cents, uh, your your gross margin when you sell that pencil is ten cents. Twenty cents minus ten cents. If At that moment, when you sell one pencil for 20 cents and you have nine remaining pencils on hand in your your distribution center, here's a question. Is your profit 10 cents or is it negative 80 cents? It's 10 cents, of course. Your cash flow is negative 80 because at that moment you have spent a dollar and you've earned 20 cents. But from a accounting and financial statement perspective, you have made ten cents with the hope that you will eventually sell the remaining nine pencils and and uh and and earn that extra uh eighty cents on the um on on a revenue basis and a a dollar in total for selling the ten cents so that's a concept of inventory is placing product that you're producing or that you have purchased with the intents of reselling, placing that in inventory on your balance sheet as an asset. Because the other concept is that if you were after you made a large inventory purchase and you sold your business and that inventory has value to the new business owner, that would actually be something you could sell to them and would be an asset on the um uh on the uh uh, purchase and sale agreement with the sale of the business, so hopefully that hope that concept makes sense to you. There's also a concept of impairment. If you have unsold inventory that you determine you're never going to sell, uh, then that in, that inventory would need to be written off uh, into your ballot into your profit and loss statement. so again, there's a flip side to that. Number six, understanding the difference between capital and non-capital transactions. When you have assets that have a longer than one year life and you uh, are using those assets for multiple years, then – When you've purchased those assets, though that is cash outflow to you, that's actually a capital transaction and the transaction needs to be reflected on your balance sheet as opposed to on your income statement. And the accounting rules for accounting purposes and for tax purposes allow you to expense that capital transaction over the life of the asset. That's called depreciation. You may or may not have heard of that or your tax accountant may have talked to you about depreciation. Appreciation, and just understanding the concept of uh, of capital transactions. So, I I've seen um, over the years I've seen organizations that have um, capital transactions throughout the year, where they're making major repairs that will that will extend the life of a building over uh, many years. They're in, in the middle of a the year, they'll make these major repairs. And they will post those as expenses on the financial statements as opposed to posting them as capital items on the balance sheet. And it will make a material difference in the economic story that's being told. So understanding that. Number seven relating to that is the actual and accurate recording of depreciation, understanding um, how to record that. Depreciation, the 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 expensing, so to speak, of your uh, capital transaction over the life of an asset, um, and doing that with appropriate lives, and certainly with there are there are designated lives used for certain amounts of of, of, of uh, for certain types of transactions or for certain types of capital assets, and the tax basis and that the the nature of the asset will oftentimes drive that, especially in the tax situation. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, so for example, uh, a copier, and just just as an example, a copier is going to have a shorter life and the cost of that will be depreciated over a shorter period of time than a building. A building is going to be depreciated over 27 or 30 years. A copier is going to probably be depreciated over three or five years. So just understanding that and getting some input in that when you're setting those expenses up. Number eight. I talked about this earlier in my podcast or in my in my show about insurance and prepaids. If you have material transactions, and this comes up sometimes, but it's not always uh, it's not always material. But if you have major contracts that last a year, um, and you're you're making those upfront payments, but the benefit of those expenses are. For an an entire year, then you might want to look into the concept of expensing those by using a prepaid asset um, transaction and we'll just we'll just leave it at that number nine accounts payable cutoff so accounts payable remember we talked about accounts receivable, which is the uh the total value of services provided for which you haven't been paid accounts payable is the total value of services received from vendors, for which you have not paid the bills, and it's important again to reflect the economic story of your financial statements. It's important to be comprehensive, and to record all of those invoices. Uh, when you haven't, when you receive an invoice in the middle of the month some some organizations are just slow in sending out bills law firms are notori- notorious for this just as a top of mind you receive a bill at the beginning or at the middle of the month but when you look at it closer, closely you see that the dates of services for those bill for that bill are for the prior month well um, if you are paying attention to that, you will record that as an expense on the prior month, not in the current month because you received the benefit of that vendor's service last month not at the not in the middle of the month when you received the invoice. And again that doing that on a sum total with all of your transactions could very well make a material difference with your financial statements. And um, many organizations, just as an aside, many people that are trying to misreport and 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 um, overstate the positive aspect of the viability of their business, they will, in order to show a higher profit, they will withhold invoices and not actually report all of their invoices on the financial statements. You know what that's called? It's called fraud. And, uh, and especially when you're presenting that for purposes of giving your financial statements to a lender. And if the lender is making the decision based on that, or if you're presenting that story in a, uh, tax return and, um, the tax return is, pres- is made on an accrual basis. If you're doing those things intentionally, um, then of course that would be, would be fraud. But more importantly, the lesson that I'm trying to raise awareness about is presenting accurate financial statements for your own self, for your own ownership, or for your own um, purpose as a business owner to understand the, the real economic story of, of, your, of your business. So I'm, I'm more focused on that than I am on the the fraud issues for purposes of the of this show. Number ten, capturing all your invoices. Uh, well, we just talked about that saving. Uh, I got a little ahead of myself, um, but the the note I have here is saving expenses and overstating profit by not reporting expenses or not paying those. Well, that's not actually profit, and that's that's a succinct way of saying some of, some of that. Number eleven debt service payments in the profit and loss believe it or not i have seen that where a um, the principal and interest payment and oftentimes the escrow payment will just be reported as a expense line item in the financial statements as a um, as an expense uh, and that transaction a a debt service payment is usually three parts it's usually the pay down of principal of your debt The payment of interest, the finance charge, and also a payment of escrow, which is uh, if the lender or its service party, uh, servicing party is paying your insurance and taxes, as an example, then that's – that they may be collecting an escrow payment. And two of those three components are actually balance sheet transactions as opposed to a purchase and loss um, statement activity. So just important to understand that number twelve and, and honestly, the rest of these are going to go pretty quickly, but number twelve deferred revenue so if if you are the type of or in the type of business where you collect a material amount of money up front and then with that collection, you owe services for the rest of the year um, or for a given amount of time uh, that certainly will help you with cash flow. You'll have a a large influx of cash flow, but you can't count that in accounting terms. You can't count that as revenue until you actually provide the service. Um, And certainly if any of you are in tune and you're with accounting issues, and you've talked to an to an accountant, you might know that there are revenue recognition rules that are uh, coming out now uh, or recently, even um, in in uh, in recent past about these issues. And this isn't a, a a show to to address those in detail, but just the concept of understanding that. In a matching concept in the, in the accounting world, uh, when you collect monies up front and then provide future service from an accounting perspective, the, um, the rules say that you would want to recognize that revenue up front. And so essentially when you receive that money, you owe owe services and that deferred revenue, that collection is actually a liability until you provide that service. So that upfront collection would be a liability on your balance sheet until the the service is provided. Um, Another way to to expand on that, to make that resonate, think about a situation where a customer may change their mind. They've paid you, and assuming there's not a contractual, uh, non-refundable component, you would actually owe that money back. At the time that the client declines to move forward, then that money – would be owed back to the uh, the client, and that refund wouldn't be negative revenue it wouldn't be an expense it would really just be a um, a return on the upfront deposit so that's why that's hopefully that helps to resonate hope help, helps in uh, resonating why that would be a balance sheet transaction all right so number thirteen if there are major related party transactions, uh, such as shareholder transactions. It's important to account for those properly. One of the the subjects that comes to my mind is shareholder transactions. When a shareholder gives funds, deposits funds into a business, is that a loan where the shareholder expects those funds to be returned with interest? Uh, Or is that an equity transaction where they're actually – Providing equity into the business for purposes of, of funding the business and understanding those differences. Number 14, taking that to the next level is other sort of uh, investment activity. It's, it's really the same thing, but understanding debt versus equity. Number 15, other types of one time in nature material transactions and, and making sure they're reported properly. So a few ideas include Acquisitions, building acquisitions, equipment acquisitions uh, with correlating issuances, issuances of debt, uh, other sorts of investments, and uh, as we've discussed, money from investors. Number 16, the last few points are really related to the income statement, um, and that is the if you're a manufacturer or somebody that – some type of business where you are distributing uh, distributing personal property, distributing products to, um, to customers, then the concept of cost of goods sold applies versus administrative costs. You want to understand what did it cost me to buy or build that product? And those costs include the actual cost of the raw product, any other processing costs, any other... Um, component of the building that that was used to manufacture that cost, and it 's important on a micro and macro basis to understand that you want to know how much it cost you to sell ABC product uh, for purposes of pricing for management, and for so many reasons it 's important to understand that and your financial statements need to reflect. The difference between a cost that goes into that cost of goods sold category versus a cost that is administrative in nature or other in nature, um, and and again, that just will help you as a business owner understand this the your business better and understand the story of uh, the economic story of your business. All right, so the last couple things include leases. If again if you're in touch with accounting issues, you know that uh leases are a um are a subject that is a subject that has some new accounting issues relating to how to how to report leases um I'll give a quick hint in the future um with these changes I'll just say it this way with these changes, all material leases will have a will, will essentially be considered an asset on the balance sheet with the financing component. It's more complicated than, than that, but um, just understanding that leases, if if you've done leases before, you may have heard the concept of operating leases versus capital leases. An operating lease just has a monthly lease component, ex, an expense versus a capital asset where you've essentially purchased a piece of equipment and financed it. That's what a capital lease Uh, that's how a capital lease is treated. Well, essentially all leases are moving to that latter piece, a capital transaction. Again, it's more complicated than that with some other vernacular, but, um, log in the back of your mind if, if leases is something that's a material component to your business. I talked number 18. I talked previously about revenue recognition and that concept of, uh some changes relating to revenue recognition. Number 19 is just really to talk about 19 and 20, I'll just lump these two together. Statement of cash flows and footnotes. Um, if you're a, a larger organization that has a need to have an audited set of financial statements, you've probably seen the statement of cash flows and a and several pages in a in a set of financial statements from your auditors that have um some write up about other components of your of your business and again if you are if if you're in a situation where a lender or some other interested party with your business then you're you're familiar with that and just having those statements be as accurate as possible is important all right so that's the list that's 20 items that's a lot and thank you if you're still here and you're still listening because that that was a lot that was a, a mini accounting um, uh, lesson as well. And uh, I think back to uh, my accounting classes many years ago. So uh, as as you are listening to all of that, you may be thinking, how do I get all of this done? I'm a business owner and I wear all these hats. Well, a few things. Number one, um, eventually... You will need to take off those hats and let somebody else wear the hat. You will need to have a business office um, and it's important to have good accounting staff and understanding how to how to take advantage of accounting staff. Some people outsource their accounting to a firm that might be uh, able to do the bookkeeping and I say if you're not able to afford full-time staff uh, that is a, a good solution if it's something that's too much for you as a business owner to do at some point the business will be complicated enough where your business will warrant having a full-time a full-time business office in-house and um, you know you'll you'll, you'll know when that's the right time or get advice on, on that. But, but, but having good accounting staff that will help you uh is, is important if you're not able to keep up with that when you're wearing all those hats. A, a couple of other things, taking advantage of a good closing process. Um There are things, there are routine and recurring things to do each and every month. And, um and, Doing those things systemically and on a predictable and comprehensive and complete basis is the way to, to mitigate the risk of error and the way to mitigate the risk of um, or no to to improve the opportunity for accuracy to to make sure that the the financial statements reflect the actual story. Um, Taking advantage of technology. There are a lot of financial accounting software packages out there that are affordable, even free, um, and, uh, and just taking advantages of account of technology. And then the last comment I have on that is I think it's important the earlier in your business lifecycle that you begin to implement these systems before your business gets too complex, the better you off you will be. Getting started on the right foot. When you have a low volume of activity and getting your systems in place, policies and procedures, and just getting your um, mindset in order to have accurate financial statements when you are young in the life cycle of your business, um, the more likely you'll be able to better grow into an accurate set of financial statements as um, as your business becomes more complicated. So getting started early is important. I'll end with a couple other points. Um, And we've talked about a few of these things, but it's just to reiterate, why does all of this matter? Again, I want you as business owners or real estate investors, and certainly not every one of those 20 items will be applicable to you, but I tried to keep it, uh, I tried to make it relatively comprehensive, but also um, germane to the average um, business owner's needs I want you to understand your numbers and, the, and understand the financial reality of your business. And I certainly get that finance and financial statements are not the only reason uh, and it's not, not the only thing that you consider when you're making your decisions, but it certainly is a part of it. And you need good numbers for that. As you're telling the story to other people about your business when you're trying to enter into transactions with them or for other various reasons, you need to know the business and does the financial statements reflect um, the the economic story. I already talked about this, but you get one shot with lenders, especially in presenting financial statements. And, and so you want those to be accurate. Um, people will – so – so let me let me say this people will draw conclusions about your finances based on a reading of your financial statements if they if they make wrong decisions it could mean a a backlash and there could be legal issues so for example when i touched on the fraud topic earlier if you are uh, if you have intentionally misled a lender for example by um by misreporting certain financial matters on your financial statements, and the lender based on those presented financial statements offers you a loan and and issues you funds advances funds to you to begin a loan scenario and it 's determined that there was uh misinformation presented in the financial statements, and it was done intentionally, then there could be legal issues for you. Obviously, uh, as an example, publicly owned companies spend millions and millions of dollars to make sure their accounting is right. Part of the reason they do that is because so many people in the world are relying on their financial statements for making decisions as to whether to invest more dollars in their stock. And uh, when those things aren't done properly, then legal issues certainly arise. Last thing I want to say is again, to go back to how do we get all this done? And, and there was a lot there. I would just say, hang in there as you are wearing many hats. We small business owners, we're all wearing many hats. And I know that you want to do the right thing. I would just say, continue on in that and get help when you need to. Remember the concept of investment rate of return, so don't be penny wise and pound foolish the The cliche you have to spend money to make money is really true. Um, I live it in my own business life, and know when you need to get help and when you need to spend a little money, for example, outsourcing your accounting needs um, and just just understand the value that can come back to you by spending a little bit of money, and that's the the rate of return. You own your own business and um, that's fun. That's a fun thing. It's way better than being employed and I know you can do it. And I just want to encourage you with that. And hopeful, hopefully a few of these topics will resonate with you. Maybe you'll log two or three of them in the back of your mind and pay attention to them as you're continuing to uh, review your financial statements and your accounting software if you're wearing that hat. And I guess I would just end with thank you very much for listening. Reach out if you have questions or comments, if you have further ideas. And thank you very much for listening today. Have a good day and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. And this concludes the latest episode of CFO Squared Chats About Financial and Financing Optimization with Carl Baker. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Leave us some notes or comments or questions by reaching out to us via email or phone number. Our contact information is in the show notes, and we would be glad to try to answer questions, take your notes, questions, and comments into consideration for future episodes. Until next time, signing off. Thanks again. Bye-bye.